It's the bread and butter time. It's the thing I've been teething on all week. If you've been with us, you know that I've been in this series called James because we're looking at the book of James, and I have been fighting like teeth and nails trying to get us out of chapter one. But we haven't done it yet. I, I know this week we're finally going to hopefully get through it because I'm looking at the clock. I see I have 35 minutes before Brother Jack's ready to get to Bob Evans and, and know that I can get this through with what God said, but little did you know that I have another 35 pages of notes, so we'll see how it goes. But let me tell you, that's just the power of God's Word, is it not? There's so much depth in it. If we will just dig down and really just ask God to expose it to us, But if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask that you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. But we're going to look at James chapter 1. If you're at home online, we'll have the Scripture up on the TVs in just a moment. But we're also going to have it up for those here in the church as well. But if you have it, just go to James chapter 1, verses 22. I'll give you a minute. And when you got it, just say, I got it. You know, it's good to see all of you here this morning. And I will be honest, I, I, did have, I, I have this wonderful app on my phone where you're looking that up, where I can see where my wife is currently at in the United States. Let's see where she's at right now. Hey, babe, if you're watching this on the plane, you know that you are going to be where? You are over top of Kansas. I am sorry you're over top of Kansas. And if you're from Kansas, it's, it's one of those states that if you know anything, you know anything. But anyway, if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and just turn to it. And it says, But be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves, or deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man that looks intently at at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and once he walks away, forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law and into the law of liberty and and uh, perseveres being no uh, no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing now the word of the lord came oh hold on that's not even where i'm at father god I know I can get away from myself, but Lord, I ask you to just touch this message. I ask you to just touch those that are here this morning, and I ask that you let this word be what you need it to be. Lord, let it be the word that you need for today, Lord, to inspire us to hold on a little longer to you, Lord, as we're walking through this life. But Lord, get me out of the way. Touch my stammering lips and let them be the things that you need to orate to this community, Lord, and just be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I'll go ahead and repeat this again so I don't stammer it again, but James 1, 22 through 25 says, but be doers of the word, not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who intently, at, or intently looks at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he lo- was looking like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doings. Those words have been ones that I've heard in the church for a long time. They're ones that I've really just been teething on because this is something that the Lord has been lay, way, laying on my heart to speak to the church for, for weeks now. 
But I knew in order to get to this point, we had to go in and understand where James was building up. Because in the, if you read the scriptures, I know that we look at the Bibles and we see that it's broken up into verses, it's bro- broken up into chapters, but in all reality, they're letters that are clear and concise, that all connect and, and correlate with where we're going. And as James is building up his thought about what it means to be a Christian and what the community of the church needs to do, he's sitting there building up what he needs to get to. He talked about having faith. He talked about being a hearer that's quick to hear with what God's word has to say. And and last week I told you that the church struggles with that in many ways, just like the world does. What do I mean? We struggle because we want to hear our own words. We want to hear the things that we want to hear. And God's word is not always going to give you the accolades you want to have. I open up my word and there are days that it cuts so deep with where I'm at and it makes me up to make me realize that I am a complete, utter mess. How about you? You ever have it just exposed something that you didn't realize you needed to have exposed and you said, God, I am a wretched man in need of my Jesus. Forgive me once again in these moments. See, we have to be a church that's quick to hear But James says that's not enough. We have to be willing to to go into action. You see, when I was a kid, I loved to watch my parents and see what they were going to do in their lives. I like to to emulate. You know how kids are, emulation. I watched my mom cook. I learned how to cook. I watched my dad work on computers. I learned how to work on computers. I watched my stepdad drive a truck, and I always said I wanted to be a truck driver when I was growing up. I never got behind an 18-wheeler, but hey, I learned a lot about how to not drive and how to drive from these people too. But better yet, my grandparents, who I love and I miss every moment of my life, every single day still, I can remember the time that they, during the summers, they would pick us up and they would take us on these little adventures and one time they took us out on the boat on the lake and I can remember them handing me this package of this little fishing rod that had Mickey Mouse on it. And I was like, okay, we're going to have an adventure here. And my grandpa said, I want you to listen to me. I said, okay, grandpa, what do you want to say? This is really awesome. Can I just go do something with this? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. He says, in order to actually learn how to do the, the, the right thing, I need you to listen to me. And I said, okay, grandpa, what do I got to do? He says, okay, I want you to take it out of the package. I said, okay. He says, I got the hook already set. Now I'm going to hand you this worm. And I looked at the worm and I said, ew, this is a worm. It's squishy. Uh, I'm sorry. I wasn't the manly man boy kind of guy going, oh, I'm going to kill the worm. I was like, it's got blood and guts. I mean, one time my brother, when I was growing up, he shoved a whole bunch of worms in my pocket and squished them. And oh, I got to not go to that story again. But anyway, my grandpa handed me, he says, hey, hey, Stephen, he says, I want you to take the worm and I want you to put it on the hook, but I want you to be careful because that, that hook will go right into your thumb if you're not careful. Little did I know, I, heard, I found out a story about my grandma. My dad was went and fishing one time. He threw the rod out, and next thing you know, my grandma's lip was getting hung along with the string. So he had experience of how dangerous a hook was. So he's telling me, you've got to do that. So I'm getting ready, and he says, okay, now I'm going to show you an example of what you need to do to get your first fish. I said, okay, Grandpa. He gave me the rod, and then I looked over at my brother, and my brother's got the, lo- the long rod. I got the little two-inch or two-foot rod, and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. 
And he says, I want you to take your arm, and I want you to take it back, and then I want you to go whoosh. And when you're doing it, you push the button. And I said, okay. So I take it. Next thing I know is I hit the button, and the, the little weight hits the, the, the hook on the bottom of the boat, and then I, and then I hit my brother in the head with the fishing pole. My brother wasn't too ecstatic, but I tell you this story because it was something that the God gave in the remembrance of where I'm at today to what can apply in our lives. You see, we have to be quick to listen. As teenagers, we are not good to listening. As, as young kids, we're not good to listening. And if you don't believe me, walk into my house and hear how often I have to reiterate what the task is that I've given my kids. Don't get me started with how even in adulthood we struggle to listen. Oh, I know better than you. I know what I'm doing here. No, you don't. There's a certain way and a certain mannerism. I walked into the church one time and I said, okay, how do I run the thing? Right when I got the pastor's keys and all that, and I'm like, I have no clue what I'm going to do here. I was asking questions and I had to, to listen to it. But that's not a natural reality. It's not a natural story. So often we go on our own things, and that's where it comes back to the scripture I almost read. See, in Jonah, we know of the story about Jonah. It said, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amorite, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. When you look at that scripture, we, we can find some true meat in there, because it's another example of what God is trying to tell the church. You see, Jonah was a prophet of God. He had heard from God. He has done things for God. He was doing all these things. They're not written in the accounts, but we know it says he's a prophet. And when God sends a word to him and he says, it's time to get up, Jonah. It's time to get up and I want you to walk into a place that, that's not going to be comfortable for you. I want you to go and I want you to tell them they're wicked. I don't want you to tell them that I have something against them. I'm sorry, if I put you in a situation like that, like, hey, Brother Steve, will you go over to, to the Walmart and, and I want you to go tell Bubba that he stole $20 from me and I need you to go get it back from me. But watch out, Bubba's got a gun. I'm sure Brother Steve's going to be like, I am not going to that Walmart and I'm not going to do with no Bubba. I don't know who Bubba is, trust me. But what I'm saying is, could you imagine that situation in a scenario similar to that where, where you're getting called out and you're getting told to go and do something that puts you at risk? And, and, and Jonah's looking at God's word coming down to him and he's like, um, um, um. And we know the story, how he says, okay, God, I'll go. And then he turns around and goes the exact opposite direction. He says, I'm going as far and as high and as deep and as, as fast as I can away from Nineveh. But how much is that in our lives? How much of Jonah do we put in our lives? I can tell you, as a young Christian, I looked at Jonah's story and I said, man, I'm more like Jonah than I ever want to admit. I said, God, I come into your house and I worship you and I give you all the praise and then I walk out and I go and do my own thing. And then you call me and tell me I have to do this? No, God, I don't want to do that. That's the nature that we fight with. 
And James has been building up to this key point in his letters to, to the church when he says, I need you to be quick to listen. It's not about you there, boo-boo. It's all about God. You need to take your ears and incline them to hear the Word of God and hear it quickly and expediently and understand the truth of it. It's time for the church to, to get into the action because faith, yes, it will get you far and it is pleasing to God, but it's not the only thing that God's trying to get you to understand. You see, I looked at the early church and I said, God, if we would have only been around going, oh, I believe that God is coming back. I am going to sit on my hiatus and think that God will bless me in my sitting and I will do nothing at all, but God will bless me. Could you imagine where we would be today? We wouldn't be here. They would have never done anything. But I love how God is a God that, that, that is so awesome that he's willing to, to talk with us and tell us what to do. I want to ask you a question this morning. Could you imagine God asking you today, to go tell somebody about the gospel and you say, I'm, no. For many of the churches today, that is a truth. Scripture says that we have to be ready in season and out to give a defense for a reason why we have hope. One time, somebody could ask you, hey, why do you believe Jesus is real? Why do you believe Jesus is Lord? Why do you believe that God is existing when science itself says that the, it is wrong? And you have to give an account for it. Imagine God saying, okay, I want you to go up to the world's smartest scientist and I want you to tell him he's a loser and he doesn't know what he's talking about because he has no truth in him. He just has his own opinions in it. What would you do? Come on, I like some communication back, guys. Come on. Would you go? Or would you say, I don't know. I can imagine this scientist coming up at me saying all these different scientific terms and he would articulate it in a manner that makes me feel so small and so belittled. That's what Jonah was going up against. Jonah was going up against a bunch of people who knew that would, he, if he said the wrong thing, they would take a sword and slice him in half. Jonah knew that he was dealing with difficult situations, but there's something about it that we have to take root in in our own lives. Because God is calling the church to say, it's time to start listening quickly, but it's time to start moving forward. In Colossians 3 and 10, it reminds us to put on a new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. I think that's a phenomenal way that we have to articulate this. When I was a young baby Christian, I didn't know God like I know God now. I didn't see God and witness his goodnesses like I did now. But what I realized in these moments and in my life is that God is still faithful even when I don't know him because he's trying to make me learn who he is. Every time that God speaks and we're quick to hear, he's showing us who he is. He's exposing his truth, and what he's doing is he's putting new natures in us, the new nature, the nature that says, yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord, I will Pick up this cross and I will carry it. Yes, Lord, I will do all that you've asked me to do. Yes, Lord, I will do something greater. That's that new nature that comes through that relationship with God. And that's where James is building up. He says faith is great. 
It's the thing that will always please God. But it's not the thing that's going to set the captives free. Yes, you can hear the Word of God and you can go out of the church and you could never have any action behind it. You could sit and say, I heard the Word of God. I'm good. But he says, that's not even enough. James himself says, faith without works is dead. And what he's saying is you have to go beyond these stages as God is developing you into the new creature. And he's saying that it's time to start doing with what God says to do. Could you imagine what we're trying to get into? You see, we are called to be doers of the word. And if we would let that take root of the fact that the word is our answer. The Word is our truth. The Word is everything that we have. And it's the Word that matters the most, not a word. See, I've been told to sit down and shut up way too many times. That I don't know what I'm talking about. I've been told that, 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 that God can't use anybody because God's not real. And I'm like... I've seen God move mountains. I've seen God do crazy, phenomenal things. If you people would just listen and actually see what it is, they would understand why I will not shut up about Jesus. It's those things that we have to let take root in our lives and every aspect that allow us to understand that we're supposed to be doers of the Word. See, the world would love you to just sit there and say, God is good. God is great. Give me this thanks, or I give you this thanks for this food I eat. And that's all of your relationship. The world would love for us to sit there and say, everything's good. You could do whatever you want. Just come into the church and just be who you are. And God loves you which way. But that goes contrary to the word. The word says that there is an imperfection within us called sin that needs to be ridden and dealt with by the washing of and the anointing of His Holy Spirit. It's in those moments we see the relationship change. It's in the moment where we look into the Word, and we read the Word, and we get exposed to the Word, and we let it take root in our lives, and then we start seeing the fruit that comes from it. Could you imagine a church that says, I come in and I read the today, and I'm so empowered. This week we're going to read the word show. Oh, it's so great, show. Next week we're going to read me and have a message on me. Oh, and your. We're going to use pronouns and all these different things and it's going to be wonderful. That would never have fruit. It would never have evidence. But if we would get into it and we'd start seeing the truth as it needs to be exposed where it says that that we have to lay aside all filthiness and overflow. Of wickedness and receive which meekness was implanted by the word. We need to have these things where it says it's time to put down your fleshly nature and start walking in his life. It's time to start walking and be doers of the word. It's complicated in many ways, but it's not as complicated as IKEA furniture. If you know, you know. But better yet, it's time for us to, to start really looking at the red letters in the Bibles. You know what the red letters are. The words of Christ. Ones where he says um, things like, you have to uh, 
sell off all you have and follow me like Matthew 19 and 21 says. Pick up your cross and follow me, Matthew 16 and 24. You must be, become fishers of men, Matthew 4 and 19. Love the Lord God with everything you have, Matthew 22 and 37. People will hate you for following me, Matthew 10 and 22. And the best one yet, I'm coming back, John 14 and 28. It's those words that will empower us. It's those words that have the ability to articulate something in us that allow us to understand that there is more power within this word than any word that the world would ever give us that needs to give us the power to become doers. You see, Jesus' words in the red letters are the things that invite us. They encourage us to keep going. They are the promises that tomorrow is still yet to come until he is done and finished when he says it is all done. But yet the church struggles to be doers because we don't always believe it. See, Jesus is pointing us simple back to this, the one truth that the church keeps losing sight of. It's the main thing that we exist to do. It's the thing that, that, that Amy and Jim talked about. It's the breath in our lungs. I was talking with my kids after youth group on Wednesday. And they said, Dad, we got asked a question in youth group. They said, if God has everything, then why does God require anything of us? Let me tell you, if I was not a, a man that searched the word, I'd have no answers for my kids. But I looked at them and I said, why do you believe that it is? They, Julia, my smart one, says, well, I think it's because God wants to have a relationship. I said, that's a good answer. It is that God wants to have a relationship with you. But it's also you have to understand that the relationship that God wants to have with us is one of the reason why we were created in the first place. See, the breath in our lungs is meant for worship. Scripture says if we won't give him worship, the rocks will cry out. An inanimate object that has no ability to articulate any air out of it has the ability to worship God if I refuse to. Being a doer of the word is one that says, I don't care what I'm dealing with. I don't care what I'm going through. I'm going to worship God in the midst of my storm. I understand that I might be looking around in an ocean of waves and I might be struggling because I don't see Jesus in it. But I can tell you right now, being a doer of the word is saying that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I'm ever able to. And I trust him no matter what it is. And that's what the church needs to understand. It's time for us to stop thinking that we're worthy of worship and understand that we were created by a wonderful, awesome creator who is still exposing himself to this world, trying to show them who they think they are. It's completely a wrong idea, but he's trying to expose them to a truth today. But he's calling the church to move beyond. He's calling the church to be doers, not just coming in on a Sunday. And hearing these wonderful messages that you keep hearing me say and walking away unchanged. If you're watching online, I'm sorry. I know it feels like I beat people up in the pulpit and I don't mean to. I want to give a message that is expiring. But I truly believe that every word that God breathes is an inspiration for us every single day. And if it exposes a truth in our lives of a neglect or an inability to actually do what we were designed to do, then I'm sorry. It hurts. But it's a good thing it hurts because God is trying to do something in you today.
for tomorrow's purposes. God's trying to do something in you if you will allow him to just to hear the truth and make you understand that we were made in his image for a purpose. We were made in his image to do more than what we thought. We were made in his image to truly give him glory and honor and praise in all aspects. That's why I love church. Because worship isn't just getting up here and singing. Worship is you sitting down listening to the word and saying, how can I apply this to me? Worship is surrendering something that you hold valuable and giving it to God. Worship is saying, God, I am a borrowed creature on your dime and I'm going to give you praise and I'm going to exalt you with whatever it has. You might have everything, but it's time for me to put myself on an altar and it's time for me to exalt the name of the God that I love so intently and with everything I have. But that's what we have to do. We have to go beyond with what our thoughts are. We have to have that quick truth that, that, of the word coming into our lives that designs us to understand that God loves you more than anything else and he would do whatever it took to redeem you from the original sin that he said he would do at the beginning of the book of Genesis. But it's in those words that God is trying to say it's time to step up. I redeemed you and I called you a royal priesthood a holy nation, a, a, a peculiar people, as it always says. Let me just say, I just love to be called peculiar because it just means I'm completely different and odd and unique in every which way. And I will take that label in every which way that God gives me because God is saying it's time to stop standing into the crowd and mixing in and start being a doer that's exactly going against the green sometimes. It's when we do that that we can have faith like our father Abraham who had many sons and many sons had father Abraham. And I am one of them and so are you. So let's all just praise the Lord. Come on. But Abraham was a man who God, God loved and he, and he even called him a, a friend of God. But why was he a friend of God? It wasn't because he was just hearing the word. It wasn't just because he was like, okay, God, you're awesome. I'm going to do what you asked me to do, and I'm just going to be all this. No, Abraham was a man of action. I mean, I'll be honest. When, when he was in his 80s and God said, hey, um, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Get ready. You're going to have a son. And he's looking around going, hey, Sarah, God said I'm supposed to have a son. I don't know what we're supposed to do, but I guess I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> But he was designed with obedience. Abraham was a man that was obedient to God unto death. And it didn't matter what he was going to deal with. He loved people intently. He served and he loved God with everything they had. He was not willing to surrender anything. When I got called into ministry, I got told, Hebrews 11.8, by faith Abraham left all that he knew and went off into a land he did not know. And over a thousand people told me that same scripture before I got called into full-time ministry. And I was like, God, please just shut up. Can I just be real? It's not easy to say, God, I'll be obedient to you. It's not easy to be a doer of what God's word says. It's not easy to, to say, I will sacrifice something I want and give you all the glory, God, when you called me to do it. 
So as me and Melissa are at our church, which we miss and love all the people that are there still to this day, and I look forward to going back and visiting and telling them all the wonderful things about you guys. But after a thousand people came up to me and said, hey, God told me uh, Hebrews 11, 8, I think I need to give you that scripture. And I looked at the last one and I said, please just shut up. You don't realize that God's already been dealing with my heart and I've already said, God, I don't want to do it. I've already told God, God, I don't want to do it. And I looked at God and I screamed at him. I said, God, I still don't want to do it. And after a while, God finally said, will you be a quick hearer of my word? And I said, God, after 500, yes. After 1,000, God, you have to be so redundant with this, God. I already said yes. Just tell me when and I'll do it. And I loved how God even gave me a little test in these, in these, these moments when he was like, okay, hey, uh, uh, Steve, um, I want you to go to Frisch's Big Boys. If you don't know what that is, it's a wonderful place. It's got tartar sauce in their hamburgers. Oh, it's delicious. But nonetheless, I, I would go to Frisch's Big Boys. Me and the girls are having breakfast with Melissa. We didn't have Bethany or Nora yet. But, but and all of a sudden, we're eating breakfast. And I looked at Melissa. I said, honey, the word of the Lord just came to me. I didn't say the word. I said, I just feel like God just spoke to me. Um, we got about $200 in the bank account. I, I, but God just said, it's time to get in the van and go to Georgia. He'll tell me where to stop. And I don't know why we're going, but we're just going to go. And she looked at me and said, okay. So we drove all the way to Georgia, got to a place. God said, I want you to stop here. I want you to pray. I said, okay. He says, I want you to bless this church right here. I want you to just pray a blessing over them, and then I want you to go home. I said, God, is that it? You mean I just wasted $100 in gas? I had to sit in the car for 16 hours with my kids, talking and complaining. Are we there yet? 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 Or better yet, I have to pee. Can we stop? But I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, God, yes, I'll be a doer with whatever you say. Just give me a quick word, and I'll walk in faith, Lord. And that's what James is trying to get at. You see, as a kid, my fishing rod was messed up because I was not listening intently, and I wasn't being a good doer. But in my adulthood, I started becoming a better doer as I was watching God bless and move and teach me and do mighty things, and he's trying to do the same for you. He's trying to say it's time to quickly hear the word of the Lord and be obedient like Abraham. It's time to start taking the kid gloves off and seeing what you're willing to do. It's time to let your worship be the thing that goes on in the the obedience that you're just exalting and doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It's in those moments that James is saying that we can look into a mirror. And see what we really look like. I don't know about you, but Michael Jackson had that song, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm wondering how he'll change his ways. I'm not going to sing it, I promise. But it's in those moments that we're looking at it and saying, God, when I look in the mirror, what do I see? What do I see, God? What is it that's empowering me to keep going? And James is saying if you're only a hearer, then you're walking away and you're, you're, they're leaving it out and you don't even remember what you just saw. But if you're a doer, you're actually seeing the actions that are in your hands. It's the evidence of things hoped for that you can see as you walk out your faith. 
as you walk out the word that God says uniquely to you in your life. It's, it's when the word says, hey, I want you to pick up your cross. God, I got to pick up what? And I want you to follow, I got to follow you? Okay, what's the cross, God? It's all that baggage you carry. It's everything that's heavy that seems like it's going to drag you down, but I'm going to give you strength as you walk after me. God, are you serious? Yes. See, that's what God's trying to do in our lives. He's trying to expose the truth, and he's saying it's time to look at the mirror and see what's in your hands. Is it the emptiness of an empty word? Or is it the actual tools that it takes to build the kingdom? Is it the actual ability to do what God's called you to do? See, that's what James is trying to bring to light. He's trying to get us to understand that we have to get beyond where we think we are and allow us to see in the mirror the hands and the tools that God is equipping us today to do. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I want to see just that. I don't want to just be that that person that looks in the mirror and says, man, I look so Christian, I look so heavenly, but I walk away so earthly and so, so horrible. I don't want to look in the mirror and say, God, I've not done anything for you today. God, I want to listen to your word and let it intently apply what you need it to in my life to let it be the transformation so somebody else can be on fire for you too. I've seen it. I've seen the fire of people's altars burn bright because of what God was willing to do through me and because of what I'd said, God, I'll surrender to you. It's the same thing for you. If you'll say, God, I hear your word. What can I do for you today? Yes, Lord, your servant hears. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you ask. Yes, Lord, I'm going to walk in the direction you tell me to walk. I don't want to have to get put into a belly of a fish and, 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 and sit and rot for three days and wait for it to get spit out and still do your work. I don't want to get so stinky and so moldy and so nasty that when I show up, everybody's like, it's a ghost because he's been in a belly, a, a belly of a fish for so long that he looks so horrendous. No, I'd rather be the guy that says, God, I'm bold enough to be like your servant David who says that I can look at a giant and tell him it's time to bow down because my God is greater than anything that this world will ever put up. It's time for us to look at the temptations of, 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 of bowing down in the world and holding on true like Daniel who said, I will bow my knee and serve my God and I will not do what the order says and I don't care if I get cast in a lion's den. It's time for them to be like the Hebrew boys who said we will not bow down to a fake God altar and we don't care if we get cast into a fire. Our God is still able. But that will only come when we are truly doers of the word. When we are truly seeking after what God is saying that we need to do. See, God is not looking for a fake image. God's not looking for your fake image in the mirror. The one that you gussy up so much. But he's looking for one that's clear and understanding of what we are truly looking at. He wants you to be real. That's why I always say I'm hot. My wife says, yes, you are. I said, not that way, honey. Why she thinks I'm attractive, I don't know. It must be the bald head. Probably after all these years of me looking like I was 55 and I was 20 and all these other things because my hair was all wild. 
But I'd rather be on fire for God and, and have that real image that God could see. James uh, 1, 26 through 27 says, If anyone thinks he is a religious and does not bide his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religious is, religion is worthless. Can I say that again? Religion is worthless if it's not with what God's called us to do, if we're not willing to be doers of the word. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans, to be doers, to, to, and widows and their afflictions, and to keep your oneself, your oneself un, unstained by the world. It's being a doer of the word because you're holding on to the truth. How many of us are willing to say, I will hold on to the truth a little longer today, even if God still tarries till tomorrow? How many of us are willing to say, God, I don't care what it takes. I want to see my lost loved ones saved. I want to see people just on fire for God. I want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. For some of us, that might be serving in an area of ministry you didn't even know you were called to because you were not listening quickly. For some of you, that might be answering the call to go tell somebody about Jesus. For somebody, that might be picking up a Bible and, not putting, or, and putting down the bottle. For some of us, that might be taking our wallet and putting some money aside for God's house because you are saying, God, hearing God say, it's time to give a little bit more. For some, that might be hitting the snooze button a little less, a little less and actually getting to church on time. For some of us, that might be telling fear it's a liar. For some, it's telling the anxiety it has to flee. See, God's been speaking to the church and saying it's time to cast away all these things and it's time to start walking out in obedience. It's time to be doers of the word and not just hearers. It's time for us to get some inspiration and a backbone behind us because if my God is who he says he is, the God who could be like what, what Elijah was dealing with on Mount Carmel. Where Elijah said, okay, Baal worshippers, you go do that. You go do what you need to. I'm going to pour water on my wood. I'm going to make it so saturated that fire can't come any other way except for through my God. It's time for us to realize that if fire falls down from heaven, that God can do whatever he wants. And that's exactly what he's telling the church. It's time to put a little backbone and a little trust in the word and start being true doers. It's time to start saying, I don't care about me any longer, but it's about what God wants. It's time for us to truly say, God, let me hear your word. Expose your truth. And let this be the life that I need to live. Let it shine within me. Let it be a thing that's on my feet that lights the path that I walk. Let it be the thing that I pursue after. Because it's in this that I can have strength. That's what I read. That's what I know. That's what I hear when I pray. That's what I, I feel when I worship. When I feel God's presence come down in a place where I'm just singing and giving God all the praise and all the glory like I'm designed to. That's what I feel when I surrender things that I don't want to give begrudgingly. But nonetheless, I still give because God requires. Lord, I don't want to talk about that part because I see the time. I'll wait till next week.
but what God wants the most today, if you'll stand with me this morning. What God wants most is just you. I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. What God wants most out of everything in this world is for you to love him with everything you have and to say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. What God wants most about you, anything else is just that you would just say, God, I love you and I'll give you your worship. God, I want the relationship with you that I'll put myself aside and give you all the glory. I'm sorry, church, I don't want the rocks to ever cry out in our place. I don't want nothing to ever or impede my ability to articulate a message where God would get the glory. I don't want anything to ever cause that stumbling block. But what I want to do is to give God everything. I want to say, God, I don't care what it is. I want to hear quickly. I don't know about that, if that's about you or not, but if you want to hear God's quickly, just raise your hand this morning. We're going to pray this morning. I see hands coming up across the room. Anybody else this morning? If that's you online, just let me know. Just say, I want to hear God quickly because we're going to say a prayer real quick and we're going to get ready to dismiss here shortly. But it's not just enough to hear. I just want you to understand this. If you're willing to hear his word, I want you to understand that God's requiring a little action on the back end to be a doer of it. So let's, let's go ahead and pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you've given me the ability and the stamina to get up so early this morning and to be able to give your word. But God, I'm thankful that everybody's here this morning that needs to hear this word, if they're either here in present or here online. But God, I ask that you right now just speak something to them in their lives through this week, Lord, through this day, through this hour, through this very minute. And Lord, I ask you speak a powerful word upon them, Lord, to let them hold on to something that they need to do. Lord, because it's not enough just to hear you say, I love you. But it's so much more powerful to show it back. Lord, it's not just enough to hear you say, go pray for this person. And just sit there in their room and just pray. But it's so much more powerful to be a doer and show up and present. God, I ask you to speak a word over top of every one of us, Lord, as we hear this word, as we exalt your name in this word, as we praise you, and we don't walk away in fear, but God, we tell it to quiet down and to get out of the way. God, let us just walk in that anointing, Lord, that you've given us, Lord, as we hear that word, and we actively try to pursue it in the doing, Lord. God, touch this church. Touch everyone that's heard this message. Touch everyone that that needs to hear this truth, Lord, and let it be something that they'll take away this week, that they'll understand that there's so much more to this walk of Christian life, Lord, than what we ever understood. But let it be the difference, Lord, so that we will see your hands and your feet in ours, so that we will see the tools when we look in the mirror, Lord, And understand that as we do, we are seeing the progress that comes through. God, touch us in this day, Lord. I ask you to touch all of those that are sick today, Lord. I ask you to touch all of those that couldn't be here this morning, Lord. I ask that you just touch every single one of us and just move upon our lives. Protect us, Lord, until we get to come back again, Lord, if you tarry. And let us see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven as you give us the provisions that we need to be able to exalt you with in every moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, I love you all. 
I see the time. I think I got out of here at a decent hour then. We will still have more notes, another 20 pages to go, so hopefully we'll get out of John or James chapter 1 at some point, but we'll see. See what the Lord prays, start praying that Lord can get us to James chapter 2. Who knows where we'll get there. <laughs> but I love you all. Go be the church. As you know, the church is just, the, this is not the church. This is just a building, but you are the church that's going out in the community. I love you all. See you.